Hello all, welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is, I didn't have to wait 10 years for him, but if I did, I would have, because it's just so great, and that's the greatest other host, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. Yeah, you only had to wait eight short years for me, but I don't know. I, I think you probably didn't want me around as much as you're saying you do now, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. I'm the golden child of our family, so what can I say? Yeah, yeah, you are. You're you're the <laughs> I keep I keep explaining to my son how and we're recording this the day that Queen Elizabeth II died, so yeah. it's funny I've already she rest in peace. Yes, it's funny I already um I already told him about this, but I was like, Okay, so the way the line of succession in the Kulik family goes is it goes to Ross. Now, if I can get rid of Ross because I, I don't want it to go to me because I go, then it would go to you being the oldest son. And my wife was like but he's got two older nieces. I go, well, the oldest one might try to make a claim to the throne, but the younger one, I can get my son to team up with her to take out her older sister. And then that way, that's his path to the throne. And my son would just be sitting back watching it all, probably eating like a burger or something, not even worried about what was going on. So I just want you to know, I have the war of the Kuliks all in my head and know what we're going to do. That's great. I just need you to know that if something were to happen to me, I don't know what's going to happen to this podcast or the website. <sighs> I've got tons of uh, recordings of you. I'll just uh, put it into the algorithm. Yeah, it'll be like that Simpsons episode where they had to put their faces over the mugs when they were talking about the <laughs> Atlanta Falcons being in the Super Bowl. Also, today the NFL season kicks off. So yeah, my, son's pretty st- my son's playing football now. Much to my chagrin, and I try to tell him everything. And he's playing tackle football. It's not flag football, but boy, oh boy, is he excited. And I told him I was recording with you today, and he said, make sure to remind uh, Uncle Uncle Covey that the Rams beat the Bengals because he called it, he's a bandwagon fan, mm-hmm. so he's a Rams fan now since they won the Super Bowl. So coming from my son to you, the Rams beat the Bengals. Yeah. This is me relaying what he told me to tell you. Well, you know, and then if he's a bandwagon fan, he'll, I'll buy him some Bengals gear for when the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Perfect. I mean, not, you know, here's football talk. Driving my son to school this morning because we got about a 30, 40 minute drive. He was, we were listening to some radio people like pick the divisions and nobody picked the Bengals. They all picked the Ravens. And man, he Uh went into school mad. So (laughs) I would have picked the Bengals. I mean, I like the Ravens. No, it was. I got Lamar Jackson as my QB. It was Brady Quinn and LeVar Arrington. And yeah, yeah, nobody. Didn't LeVar, no, I think he played for the Browns. They say, didn't he play for the Bengals at one point? No, not that I know. And this is the last of my football talk, too. But your son's in our fantasy football league this year, too, which I'm sure he's excited about. Yes, he is. So he can whip me. All right. Well, the reason why I brought up the whole like 10 years or whatever is this has been the summer of what they call the legacy sequel. But as you're going to see, as I talk in this podcast, as a matter of fact, you're going to call me the most pretentious little punk at the very end when I talk about a legacy sequel 500 years in the making. 500 years of making. Okay. (laughs) Really, there's a couple of movies and I'm going to talk about them here up top. But you and I said, hey, what are the best legacy sequels? And roughly saying what a legacy sequel is, is 10 years or more between the movie it preceded. So it's not like Godfather to Godfather 3, because there's Godfather 2 in the middle there, even though I don't think anybody would put Godfather 3 on that list. I mean, that movie is a train wreck, yeah. but, but it again, was, another topic for another yeah. day. As we go through and I talk about some of these other ones, it's really a recent phenomenon that these are good. I mean, there's been tons of direct-to-video Disney stuff. And I, I don't yeah. have Fantasia 2000 on here, which is great because... I've never seen it. It's not really a sequel, per se. It's just Fantasia 50 years later, 
little bit more updated, but the movie that kicked this off, and I'm going to just rip you here for not even seeing this yet, but Top Gun Maverick. I haven't seen Top Gun. <laughs> I've seen parts of Top Gun. I know that Anthony Edwards, spoiler alert, dies in no, Top Bobby. Gun or whatever, but I've never seen Top Gun top to bottom. I've seen parts of it. I've seen stuff here and there. And I do want to say, everybody I talk to loves this new Top Gun movie, except my mother-in-law. She hated it really and i spent i spent every weekend she comes over one day every week and we talk about stuff she hated this movie Man. She thought it was boring and just pointless see i'm you know kind of minor minor spoilers but there's a moment near the end of this movie where you realize it's essentially maverick and goose and an f-14 flying away and i give the screenwriters i give the director i give tom hanks miles teller i give all of them all the credit in the world for earning tom that Cruise. Mo- or tom Cruise, not, not tom, tom hanks, hanks. <laughs> yeah tom hanks another but yeah, we need our legacy sequel to bachelor party but <laughs> <laughs> i watched that movie the other day that movie does not hold up no 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 i follow this twitter account where he just posts nostalgia stuff and he has the picture of the donkey snorting the cocaine and said nobody partied harder than the donkey yeah but no top gun maverick it earns this incredibly great moment near the end of the movie and it's one of these movies because we watched the original a week before it came out and the original is what it is. It's an, it's it's Top Gun, okay? Is what it is. It's a yeah. you know big yay yay jingoistic kind of thing. But Top Gun Maverick, and no offense, I like your mother in law a lot, but I don't know what the heck's wrong with her. I mean, the movie <laughs> the movie looks amazing. The movie mm-hmm. is it's simple but complicated the same ways. Tom Cruise, I I mean, the guy may be a loony bin, but he is a great actor. Yeah, he's like <laughs> our parents and I were talking about this a while ago. He might be like the last true prototype. Oh, yeah. star. he there. is. He is. And even when the movie was over, I remember I looked at my wife and I said, that was effing great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Again, everybody else I've talked to seems to love this movie. And I listen to lots of different podcasts with comedy writers and just writers in general in Hollywood. And they all saying the same thing you do. The only funny thing, again, I haven't seen it, so I do not know what I'm talking about. But they all make, they they even say they really like it because they never name the country that they're fighting. Yeah, yeah. But they, and they say they do a really good job, but I guess it's supposed to be Russia-esque or something. North like Korea that. is what you're... Oh, North think. Korea, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. maybe that. But I know it's supposed to be like what, I mean, America's got its own problems, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's what we're supposed to consider a quote-unquote bad country, but they never name it. And I will give the writers credit for that. Like, that fact that they could pull that off is highly impressive. And, yeah, Tom Cruise, say what you will about him. He's a nutso wackadoodle as crazy as they come. But the fact that he flew the plane in this mm-hmm. and did some of his own stunts is absolutely incredible. No, it, it is. And, and they got Val Kilmer in it somehow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, a lot has been made about the scene between he and Val Kilmer. And it's and that's the thing. It's a movie that's earned all of its moments. Whereas in the second half, we're going to talk about some movies that didn't even earn the damn film they were shot on. But And I do want to say before I move on, uh, so the director, Joseph Kaczynski, I think it was either his first movie or his first big Hollywood movie was Tron Legacy that we talked about last week, which, again movie was boring was dull but it looked amazing had an amazing soundtrack so the and i said the original tron sucked anyway so i didn't know what better they were going to do and then tom cruise just to say one of his first movies or early in his career was the color of money which was a semi sequel to the hustler with paul newman like 30 years earlier so that's what i mean this isn't a new phenomena 
I just wanted to mention those before I went on to, I'm going to tell you, Ty, this is still the best movie I've seen this year, and that's Prey. Yeah. I, I second best movie I've seen. It's behind everything, everywhere, all at once for me. But Prey is, I think, a great prequel, legacy sequel, whatever you want to call it, to Predator. I love the fact that they went you know, with a Comanche tribe, with a Native American tribe, and they did it in the 1700s. And the movie's understated. It's quiet. But it's so well shot, so well acted, so well directed, so well written. Amber Mid-Thunder is amazing in mm-hmm. it. And Predator looks cool as hell mm-hmm. in this movie. And like everything around it, the animals all look real. There's that whole fight scene between the Predator and a bear, which is incredible. Like, again, the texting with, with our father yesterday, he watched it. He said it's the best Predator movie he's ever seen. Oh. And, and look. because of him, <laughs> I've seen all the other Predator movies. So coming from him, that's a big compliment. And I... I think the original Predator is still my favorite, but favorite, but Prey is a way better movie than the original Predator is. Well, a lot like Top Gun Maverick, I think you've got, and you have this built-in mythology, you have a built-in fan base, and so what these people, unlike the Terminator movies, what these yeah. people have been able to do is take that mythology, take that story. Again, there's nothing original in Top Gun Maverick. It's it's there's nothing okay. you look at and go, wow, that's a, a neat idea. It's all about nostalgia. And mm-hmm. Prey, to a point, is kind of like that because it's like, hey, remember how cool the Predator is? Well, yeah. here you go. And like you said, yeah, Amber Mid-Thunder, her dog. I mean, it's some of the best animal acting I've ever seen is that dog. <laughs> yeah, that dog was great. And like, I read a whole bunch of stuff, too. They wanted to get – I mean, I, the movie takes place in the 1700s, so mm-hmm. obviously they couldn't get – but they got a descendant of the type of dog, I guess, that Comanche tribes had back in the yeah. So that attention to detail is what makes this movie so good. And like, there's scenes in that movie where Amber Mid-Thunder's – like sinking into the ground and you think she's gonna you know she thinks she's gonna sink and fall that's like as heart pounding as anything i've seen or when the uh, the french fur trappers come in mm-hmm. and take over like this is this is a very very good movie and the fact that it was released on hulu like, yeah props I mean, to hulu. yeah I, w- I would definitely go to the theater to see it that's my one regret with it i mean i did yeah. see top gun maverick in the theater and i'm glad i did there's a couple of movies here time i'm going to talk about which they were one in particular is way better than I think anybody ever imagined. But the first one is one I just recently saw a few weeks ago is Bill and Ted face the music. Now mm-hmm. you were early in, it, in on this one. So what makes it a worthwhile entry to the Bill and Ted oeuvre? So you talked about Top Gun Maverick and how that's all nostalgia. That's what this is, but it's nostalgia with a new story. And this one, Bill and Ted are still slackers. They're still doing their thing. They're still trying to make music, which is all good and well. But they have kids now. They have daughters. Each of them has a daughter. And their daughters act exactly like them, but they also want to be musicians. So I feel like what made Bill and Ted so good when I was little and when you were younger like, was, oh, these guys are roughly my age. They're high school kids. They get to do all this cool stuff. They do that again in this movie. And so you get this kind of new story for a younger generation. Teenage kids can watch this with their parents who remember Bill and Ted. So you have these two different stories involved. But the nostalgia aspect, uh, they, they take stuff from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. The white-faced um, oh, death. Death, yeah. death, death is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And death is hilarious in this movie. I remember my wife, because my wife and I had that quarantine date night thing that we started when COVID started and we'd still do it every Friday night. And this was one of the first like early, early on movies we paid full price to watch on VOD. And I was so glad that we did it because it brought back all those memories from watching it. But then it made me happy that there's a new story involved and Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves just inhabit those characters so well. And it was just so cool to see everything again. I 
I mean, when Keanu Reeves, I believe, is playing the theremin at the beginning of this movie, that's <laughs> absolutely amazing. Like, this movie is funny. It's well done. It's well made. It, it's a really, like, I, I love Bill and Ted's Excellent Venture. I like Bogus Journey. This is better than Bogus Journey, in my opinion. Mm. It fits this legacy sequel idea really well because, like you said, most people who saw Bill and Ted could relate to them. The original Bill and Ted movie can relate to them because they're roughly the same age. And when we were all in our late teens, early 20s, we all believed one day we were going to save the world, unite the world. Yep. So what happens when 30 years go by and you haven't done it yet? And, I, and it's, it's weird for me to say this, but for a Bill and Ted's movie, it actually kind of has a deep story. Of absolutely. With yeah, absolutely. So they've all grown up, which makes it great. Amazon a little bit over a year ago put out Coming to the number two America. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the first coming to America, even though when I told you about those terrible things and what John Landis did in the Twilight Zone movie, and he ended up directing Coming to America, and he said, you know, he made bad comments about Bill Mur or uh, Eddie Murphy. Well, you're getting your names yeah, mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> well, Eddie Murphy was able to make another movie, which again, it was kind of revisiting these characters all these years later. Again, deals with this whole the original coming to America, nice happy ending, and all that stuff. But well, and for and before I go on, James Earl Jones gives a killer performance in this he's, movie. <laughs> he's incredible we watched this movie at our folks house when my wife and i were getting worked on on our house we had to live with them for a couple of months and i remember watching this movie at their house and yeah james earl jones is phenomenal in this movie mm -hmm. and but it's again it's a movie you're revisiting these characters but it's moving the story forward and I mean, Eddie Murphy's kind of going through a renaissance the last few years. It's just mm. criminal. He does not get at least a nomination. For, How didn't he get one for the Dolomite? Yeah, right, right. Great. But he's he's kind of on this thing. But I do, again, James Earl Jones, but Wesley Snipes as like the yeah. other tribe leader. I mean, Arsenio mm. Hall, who you haven't yeah. seen forever. Give it up to Eddie Murphy. He's watching out for his buddies. I mean, absolutely. Well, all the young <laughs> actors in this, um, I can't think of his name, but the guy who plays his son, yeah. we didn't know about, um, that, that guy's a comedian who I followed his career. I thought he was great. I didn't understand the flack this movie got from Chris. No. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Right. And that's what I mean. Along with Bill and Ted is I want to hang out with these people and see what it's yes. like. And it's even, you know, his wife who's originally from Queens, but now she spent the last few decades mm -hmm. in royalty when she's hanging out with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Leslie Jones. Yeah. Leslie Jones. And she's like, <laughs> I used to be cool. I used to do that. <laughs> I mean, again, it's relatable, but absolutely. But Ty, I, I want to talk about a movie that again, came out of nowhere, absolutely launched the careers of a huge director, even though he'd already made a movie, but this put him in the stratosphere, a star. And, I mean, again, he gets to go by another letter because we don't want to confuse him with a famous basketball player. <laughs> and made you look back and go, oh, yeah, Sylvester Stallone can act. And that's the movie Creed. Nothing is going to beat Rocky for me because I think Rocky's the greatest boxing movie of all time. And then I, you know, typical film criticism or critic of me, I had Rocky and Raging Bull. Creed has replaced Raging Bull. Creed, it, you're exactly right. I remember watching it. I remember waiting because I was, oh, I'll see it in the theaters, but I didn't know who Ryan Coogler was at the time. I barely knew who Michael B. Jordan was. I knew that they had done a movie together before Fruitvale Station, but I didn't know anything much else about either of them. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. So I waited to watch it on at, at my house. And you're right. I remember when I was watching, I'm like, this is... This is what I loved about Rocky. This is why, like you said, this Sylvester Stallone, I mean, he's sick in this movie and he plays it off perfectly. And he doesn't 
do too much. They let Michael B. Jordan, and I believe Tessa Thompson plays his girlfriend, mm-hmm. they let them be the stars of this movie. And this is Michael B. Jordan's story. He's Apollo Creed's son. He gets to tell his side of it. And it's a great movie. I mean, everything about it, it's it's heartwarming. It's sad. It's uplifting all at the same time. This is this is a fascinating and fun and great way to do this movie. Like Rocky, Rocky Two. They start to fall off after that. Rocky three, four, Rocky Balboa, whatever they call them. First off, so how dare better. you? Rocky four won the Cold War. No, no, and that, <laughs> that movie is not as good as people say. <laughs> but no, like this is this is so much better than any one of those movies except for Rocky. And I'd put it not one A and one B, but definitely Rocky is one, Creed is two, and like you said, it launched. I mean, Ryan Coogler is doing Marvel movies now, mm-hmm. and Michael B. Jordan is everywhere. Like I see him everywhere now. And Tessa Thompson, mm-hmm. she's everywhere now too. This is such a good retelling of that underdog. And the only difference here is that Apollo Creek's son wins the fight in the end, yeah. whereas Rocky did. That's the only difference. And I want to go back to Ryan Coogler. Some of these boxing fights, the way he's, he's shooting them is just absolutely amazing. They look as real as anything I've yeah. ever seen. And there was Creed 2, which was good, which was very good also. And I know yeah. there's a Creed 3. I think it got pushed back another year. Sylvester Stallone was nominated for the Oscar and was favored by a lot of people to win. I think he won the Golden mm-hmm. Globe and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, this is not great. this is not just a slouch of a film. This was a really, uh-huh. really great, great film. Uh, before I go to the last two here, Ty, because I want to make special mention of them. I do. I was, I was, you know, had written down my list and then I was looking at what other people said. And somebody said one of the great legacy sequels. And oh, God, forgive me. I can't remember the article because I think they got a lot wrong in this article. And we're going to talk back to that in the second half. (laughs) But they talked about Spider Man No Way Home. And I saw that when I was doing research too. And it made me think about it. And I really liked Spider Man No Way Home. I thought it was good. I think it was dumb for them to not tell you that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were in it. Like, I hate it when they're like, oh, let's try to keep secrets. Because that would have honestly just gotten everybody so hyped about it. Especially, I mean, Tobey Maguire, we barely see anymore. And Andrew Garfield is like making Oscar bait movies. So I think this movie was also, I think it was hyped enough because. COVID. Yeah. We're finally going back to the theater. And then the joke was that Spider-Man No Way Home is what started to spread Omicron. Yeah. We're just going back to the theater and then everybody got sick. I I went to see it and I had coke three weeks later. I I was going to say, when we were in Branson, my wife and I were trying to look for a time to see it. We just couldn't find a time to see it. And they didn't get COVID. I ended up getting COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, but it talks, and I know it doesn't really count legacy sequel from Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, but Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, with how much of a bad taste the third one left in everybody's mouth. What do you mean? It was great, right? (laughs) But it, it, the movie, though, kind of, you know, he was older. He was an older Peter Parker, and you even Mm -hmm. get the... uh, you get the idea that uh, he and Mary Jane are still together. And, mm-hmm. you know, then Andrew Garfield's like, I never saw those amazing Spider-Man movies. Me neither. But I actually went back and watched the first one. It's not great. Oh. <laughs> um, watched it because <laughs> I thought. plenty of jokes about that. Though, yeah, movie. because Andrew Garfield was so good in that. And in some ways, I agree. I know everybody's saying, oh, they should make Amazing Spider-Man 3 or Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire should make another one. No. No, I this mean, is fine. Yeah, I think yeah. it worked out well, and I actually think No Way Home did a great job of reversing the whole Spider-Man mythology that, 
he's kind of unknown now, and he's a, you know, a, a street fighter, not an Avenger, and all this other crap. Yeah. Well, and, it's also cool to see Doc Ock and oh, Green yeah. Goblin, and like you meant, what's his face, Thomas Hayden Church and Jamie Fox getting to reprise their character, and they were. I thought Jamie Fox was fantastic. Oh God, he was. He was super good. Yeah, like I, I enjoy. And again, spoiler alert: the the only real bummer I left from this is that Aunt May died. Like that really mm-hmm. bummed me out because I, I really like Marissa Tomei in that role as well. Yep, you and George Costanza. Okay, so I'm going to finish this off talking about two movies that just, number one, should have never existed. And number two should have never became legendary. And I'm going to start with the easy one first, and that's Blade Runner 2049. Now, you put this on your list, but I would have easily put it on my list. And I'm going to tell you why. So I didn't go see it in the theater. I don't know why. I I mean, I like Blade Runner. I don't know why I didn't go see it in the theater. But you, a lot of other people are like, oh, you should really watch this. And so I didn't even watch it till I think it was, was it HBO Go or maybe it was HBO Max. I don't remember. Yeah, one of them. In that time period. It was either early HBO Max or late HBO Go. And so I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch it. And then I remember telling my wife, yeah, I don't know. It was okay. It looked good, but I don't know. But then I just kept thinking about it. And since uh-huh. then, so two years ago or so, I've probably seen that movie about five times. Oh, wow. So, okay. You've seen it more than yeah. I have. So what makes it so great? I did see this in the theater. I actually took... So our father, we've talked about a lot, showed us a lot of movies, a lot of stuff we probably shouldn't have seen when we were seeing it, but he was the one who introduced me to Blade Runner when I was younger, and it, not changed, it changed my movie viewing life. Like I didn't know science fiction could also be noir and be that good, so I became instantly obsessed with Blade Runner. It's one of my all-time favorite movies to this point. So when I heard that they were making Blade Runner 2049, and I'm a humongous Ryan Gosling fan, so when I saw that he was attached, I'm like, sweet. And then I read about this director who I didn't know, Denny, however you say his name. Villain Wave or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I'm like, oh, this guy seems legit. I know you don't like Arrival, but people say that movie looks nice or whatever. But I haven't seen Arrival either. (laughs) But you're right, this movie... This movie looks fantastic. Like, it looks incredible. And it doesn't stray from its ori- its predecessor too much, which I really like. The computers still look all the same in this movie. The streets still look all the same. It's still dark. It's still damp. It's still dreary. Harrison Ford's in it. They find him. He's there. And you get to see all his stuff. He still has the origami bird that... Um, oh, form in uh, the first Edward one. James almost. Edward James almost. Yeah, he still has that with him. And we get to flashback to when he was in Blade Runner. But... You cast people like Ryan Gosling, like Dave Bautista, who at that point people knew from Guardians of the Galaxy. And like, who's this weird looking guy in Blade Runner 4? It's Dave Bautista, who does a really good job. Robin Wright, incredible in this movie. Anna DeArmas, this is the first time I've ever seen her in anything. And she was really, really good in this movie. The girl who was in San Junipero, the white girl, she's oh, in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was also on Halt and Catch Fire. Mackenzie. Yeah. So Mackenzie something, yeah. yeah. And she, she, she actually has a pretty big part in this. But I think what makes this movie work, and I do agree with some people, two hours and 43 minutes is a long time. <laughs> now, with a movie like this, I think it, it needed to be that way because this, the original Blade Runner is a slow movie. Even at an hour and I think it's 45 minutes, it's a slow movie. So this one just added an extra hour to it. But the stories they told, the way they went about telling them, how you can still have the conversation of if you think – Ryan Gosling is a replicant or not. Like, I think that's fascinating that what they did with this movie, they didn't stray too far from the original material. I know you have some fanboys who are never going to like something that strays from the original material, but I don't think most people 
were too upset at Blade Runner 2049. Most fans weren't too upset at Blade Runner 2049. And it's just, it's a sight to behold. It's a beautiful movie to watch, the way it's shot, the way it's filmed. Everything about it is, I, I adore this movie. I don't like it as much as I like Blade Runner, but I think it's a, even Jared Leto's good in this movie. And that's <laughs> hard for me to say because I don't think he's a very good actor, but it, it's a good movie. I think top to bottom, it's a, it's a very fascinating, different telling of the original that they made the sequel on. And then the other one, and we have spilled so much internet <laughs> words on this movie, but it, it needs to be mentioned in this podcast as Mad Max Fury Road. That's the greatest. Yeah. Now, I recommend to everybody, go. Um, I, I finished this book just a few weeks ago, but it's called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome. It's by Kyle Buchanan. It's basically an oral history of the making of this movie, and you will be nice. floored that this movie sure. got made. I mean... <laughs> George Miller had to make Happy Feet 2 just so the studio would let him make this movie. Hey, and, I'll take it. <laughs> but, you know, so many things. I, I've recently, I went back, I watched the original Mad Max as a couple months ago. And yeah. society is just starting to fall apart. There's still cities. There's still, he's a cop. There's all this stuff happening. And then I watched Road Warrior, which is a great movie. I mean, this movie, I forget. Again, all these are on HBO Max. And so do it while we still have HBO Max before it gets yeah, completely yeah, yeah. destroyed. <laughs> but Road Warrior, I mean, just great, great movie. I never watched Thunderdome because I just remember even as a kid thinking it's stupid. But yeah. as the movies go on, society more and more falls apart. By the time you get to Fury Road, it's just a barren wasteland. It's a wasteland, yeah. Yeah, and it's what's so interesting to me because all of these movies, there's there's an existential dread in them. Except Fury Road ends on happiness, ends on hope, ends on, you know, yeah, Max is moving on, but Furiosa, who's the star of that movie, has won. And it's yeah. really the first one you walk away that, that somebody's won. So any other things you got more to say on Fury Road? Outside of Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron, they got the original Immortan Joe to come back. He's excellent in it. Nicholas Holt's excellent in it. Zoe Kravitz, um, all, all the... The, the, I don't know what they call them. The, the maidens, the women, yeah. The ma the women, they're all excellent. I do appreciate that it's more from a female perspective in Fury Road and that Furiosa is the star and the hero of this movie. And going to see that in the theaters, it was a feast for the eyes. And then now, you know, everybody's aped it. Everybody's done something. Even the Simpsons had like a guy on the back of a car in one of their <laughs> Halloween specials playing a guitar with fire all around him and... It's a type of movie where like it's nonstop. You hardly get to take breaths, and it's totally worth it at the end of the movie. I, I it might be my favorite movie of all time. I think it's the best movie ever made. It might be my favorite movie of all time. Hello, all. This is RD, and I want to take a minute here just to talk to you about how you can support this great podcast, the X Millennial Man Podcast, all the work we do on SeedSync.com, and especially all the hard work that Ty does bringing you the sports knowledge and the pop culture knowledge that you just so deeply want, and how you can support me bringing you all the political knowledge that you definitely do not want. We have a Patreon. You can go to 
patreon.com and look up the X Millennial Man podcast. And for just five bucks a month, guys, you are going to continue to be able to give you all this great content, give you the things that we are also craving that we know we need. And then in addition to that, we're going to be launching a Patreon-only podcast called the X Millennial Man Political Report, where we're going to go through kind of more of a deep dive on my personal thoughts and other people's thoughts on what's going on politically around our country. That way we can keep the X Millennial Man as your place where you're going to go to find out all the most important things. Guys, we created this tie and I did because me being from Generation X and he being a millennial, honestly, I was tired of hearing about Citizen Kane's the greatest movie ever. It's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. But we kind of got tired of, wait, nothing since Citizen Kane can be better. I mean, come on, Back to the Future is way better to some of us. Fast and Furious movies are way better. This is a place where we can talk about that stuff and where you're going to get that, again, not opinion, true fact of what is the greatest ever when it comes to music, sports, politics, all that stuff is SeedSing.com and the X Millennial Man podcast. So come on over to Patreon. Five bucks a month is all it is. And hey, if there's something more you need from that, come hit us up. Tell us you need T-shirts. We can give you T-shirts. You need handshakes. Maybe we can give you that. But come on over to Patreon, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, and now I'm going to get you back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, let's talk about Star Wars. <laughs> I, so I'm going to get mine out real quick before you get started. I think the prequels are trash. I've said that numerous times. My wife and I actually got into a real argument the other night because she thinks two and three are good. I think three is <laughs> the worst of all the Star Wars movies. Four, five, and six are great. Five is the best one. I really enjoy seven, eight, nine. I like the Mandalorian. Book of Boba Fett was kind of boring. That's about it. That That's my Star Wars take for everybody out there. I'll talk about like Book of Boba Fett and all that stuff later on here, <laughs> but um, near the end. But so... I, I mean, like, I, don't, I can see you trying to calculate the yeah. words in your head. I don't know what more to say other than, look, I, I've gone back. Star Wars has been a big part of my life. Okay. I, the original movies came out when I was a kid and I, I remember them well. I even watched the horrible Ewok movies that were on, you know, ABC or whatever. They're terrible, by the way. I actually, even though there's Wilford Brimley in one of them talking about diabetes or whatever, (laughs) which, which for those of you on Twitter, go follow an account called the Brimley cocoon line. They take famous people and the day they turn the same age that Wilford Brimley was when he was in the movie cocoon, which is supposed to be about a bunch of old people. They're like, they have now passed the Brimley cocoon line. Paul Rudd passed it the other day. So, oh, no way. Paul is, Rudd is ageless. Is, you know, Winona Ryder passed it the other day. She's ageless also. There right? was some some comic book artist who just passed the double Brimley cocoon line because he turned like 104 or something. Wow. <laughs> but anyways. So wait, they were supposed to be like 50 years old? And, I've never seen No, no that's, but you look at Wilford Brimley, though. Like I just yeah, recently yeah, watched the old. thing. The dude, when he was like eight, it looked like he was 40, <laughs> you know? He had that big walrus mustache. <laughs> so Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, and even Return of the Jedi, who's a cash grab, and the Ewoks are just fluffy teddy bears. You do realize they were about to eat Luke and Han and chew. <laughs> 100% they were, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but then you wait all these years. I think it was like 15 years. I, I didn't look up the date, sorry, people, except for the very last one. I did look up that oh, one. Oh, okay, so you did look up the hell one. So you have all this hype. They're going to make they, – they re-release the movies, and then they're going to make these these prequels. You're going to learn about Yan Obi-Wan and Yan Anakin and – 
they get Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson and I mean, you get some big time people. And I, I, know I remember I've, going to the theaters with you to see The Incredibles and a preview for one came up and you told me to be quiet and you sat up and you yeah, to watch it. Yes. <laughs> and so after all this time, it was on my 25th birthday that The Phantom Menace opened up. I'm sitting there and it says episode one. I'm like, hell yeah. And it says trade disputes are all over the galaxy. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> and and the whole time I'm like, ooh, a ship. Oh, now it's going to kick ass. And then you hear the, and I'm not going to do the voice, but the Trade <laughs> oh. Federation voices, problematic. And I'm like, oh. Horrible. <laughs> oh, but but it's Obi-Wan and it's other Obi-Wan. And then they go down and then Jar Jar Binks happens. I'm like, maybe it will get better. And I've been telling myself maybe it's going to get better for like 23 years now, Ty, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I just don't understand why some people, especially people my age, and I know you'll get to the whatever we're calling, I guess, legacy sequels is what we're calling 789. But I understand why some people my age are out here openly saying that the prequels are good. They're wrong. Those are not. Those are objectively bad movies. They have pieces. I think Toby uh, or uh, Topher Grace years ago cut all three of them. It's like a legendary Hollywood thing. Cut all three of them into like a two hour movie. And people said it's awesome. And oh, okay. and then you have things like the Clone Wars cartoons and there's stuff that that look, there was a story there. It's just you're right. Those movies did not work. I'll be the first to say those movies just did not work. And you can point to a lot of different things. I don't point to Jake Lloyd. I don't point to Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen was nominated for an Oscar before he did those movies. And yeah. these terrible, terrible fans make his life hell afterwards. But mm-hmm. so then those go away. George Lucas says, I'm done with this. And then I believe it was 10 years later, Disney buys it, or it was like eight years later, says Disney buys it, says they're going to make a new set of movies. And I remember sitting at the YMCA for my kids' like basketball game, just waiting for the the trailer for The Force Awakens. And oh my God, was it a great trailer. And it's like, okay, you want to talk about legacy sequel. Here's Han, here's Leia, here's presumably Luke, and they're going to tell this new story with these new people. And Ty, I'm going to say this up front. I like The Force Awakens. It's a great movie. But it's Star Wars. <laughs> well, sure. That's what they're all called Star Wars. No, no, no. But it's number four. I'm I'm too old to call it a new hope or whatever. Okay, all right, I got you. But (laughs) again, it looks great. You brought these people together. I go back to that nostalgia. I felt good seeing all these people again. And I think the new actors they got were great. I mean, I, I thought everything was good. And then The Last Jedi came out, which was really of all the movies we talk about. When you talk about a legacy sequel, it is a movie that takes its quote unquote legacy and says, you know what? Screw you. I'm doing something different. Okay. And I wasn't mad about that. I was actually way on board with that. I mean, I okay. really, really like The Last Jedi. And it does, I mean, Luke flat out like half the time is like, yeah, all this BS that we did, it's BS. Okay. So don't do BS. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. And then The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Which I found to be delightful. I enjoyed myself watching that movie. Now, for people who don't know my history with it, I did not start watching them until yes. my daughter was born. She will be seven next month. So I'm not nearly as involved as you are with this look i i can uh um i, I can say it all I, i'll let poe dameron do the talking for me somehow palpatine returned <laughs> you guys get all you fans get so <laughs> upset about this so ty again 
nobody can say it better than Oscar Isaac. What's even better, you just watch his facial expression. He was done with this. He's like, okay. And look, it's not, I know everybody's like, oh, you, you, uh, you listened to all the stupid fanboys and you got rid of all the good stuff and you did that. I'm not saying that because look, Ryan Johnson took whatever JJ Abrams was building and completely turned it on his head. It's kind of a, a D move to do to him. And then JJ Abrams comes back and wants to finish his story. I get it. That's not, that's not the issue I have with it. I just, I, I mean, I, I know I'm going to sound like a, and trust me, this will be the second most pretentious thing I say, but I just, it's not Star Wars to me. I just don't watch it. I end at the end of The Last Jedi. And I'm like, okay, that's it. And that's totally fine. I just don't understand. Again, I'm not as involved. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the toys like you did. I just kind of watched them. I watched them all in my 30. I was 30 when mm-hmm. I watched all these movies. And I find them to be fun. I really like that fight scene with Kylo Ren and Daisy Ridley. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm blanking on Ray. Right. I really like that fight scene with them where they are fighting Palpatine and all those people who have the red outfit, red hats on or whatever. I thought that was really cool. I wish that Mary Tran, I believe is her name, didn't get so much hate yeah. from people for, I believe she was Last Jedi. Because I think she could have had a big part in Rise of Skywalker if there wasn't so much hate thrown towards her. I love John Boyega in these movies. You talked about Oscar Isaac looked like he was done. It's probably because he had to go film Dune, which we probably <laughs> I guess we could have talked about. Which yeah, I think it's great, but it's more. We're, we're going to do better remakes one day. Yeah, but I enjoyed. Like I said, I think the first, the prequels are objectively bad. Four, five, and six are the best three that you can have, and seven, eight, nine. I think it feeds into the nostalgia. That's what what they're doing here. And I understand you people who are closer to it have your own personal issues with it. But to come out and it's the worst movie ever made. Have you ever seen The Room? Have you ever seen Birdemic? Have you ever seen Plan 9 from Outer yes. Space? Yes, and, and Rise of Skywalker. No, and Rise Those of Skywalker's worse. worse. <laughs> much worse movie. Rise of Skywalker is a well-made movie that has a lot of money put behind it. And people like me who aren't as involved are like, that's a cool sci-fi movie. It may not be sci- Star Wars, but it's a cool sci-fi movie. Well, I'll talk about, I don't care how much money, if the movie's bad, it's bad. I'll get to that in a minute. But before, we need to talk about another series. And a lot of this, so you know, the first half we talked, there's no reason to make another Top Gun. There's no reason to make a movie about Apollo Creed's unknown son. There's no reason, there's to, no make, reason to make another Blade Runner. Right. There's no reason, but these movies did it well that they made their place in the world to say, yes, there is a reason. This is what you like. You want to talk about a series of movies that had absolutely... No reason to exist is the Jurassic World films. Yeah. My hot take on this is they only should have made one. There's no reason to make anything after you make Jurassic Park is it's up there with Fury Row with me. It's a perfect movie. There's nothing I would change about Jurassic Park. Everything about that movie works. I was in fifth grade when that movie came out and I can still vividly, vividly remember going to the theaters and seeing it. Jurassic Park is a perfect movie. Jurassic Park 2 is boring. It's ridiculous. It's too heavy-handed it's too serious and, and there's no sam neill or lord dern in it so who cares dress part three i think it's got a little bit more goofy with yeah. it yeah it doesn't take itself as seriously um willie macy and Taylor leone are great in that movie i really enjoyed them and again it doesn't take itself seriously seriously it's just kind of a goof it's like hey these dinosaurs are out here these jurassic world movies you're right you said it they don't need nobody was asking for this I, again i everybody i talked to despises these movies except my wife my my wife loves these movies because she's she loves dinosaurs dinosaurs are her thing she'll watch these movies about dinosaurs all day but you watch the first jurassic world is just there's so much product placement in it that it's insane it's like watching a commercial and jimmy buffett gets picked up by a pterodactyl pterodactyl while he's holding i think two margaritas 
running away from a Margaritaville. <laughs> I mean, and there's Mercedes Benz cars everywhere. And I only know that because I had to look up what the symbol was. I kept seeing when I saw that. Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard have absolutely zero chemistry. It's absurd that they would even be considered a romantic couple. And you'd think, oh, but it won't get any worse than this. The second one, the, oh. you know, Fallen Kingdom or whatever they call it, yeah. they are auctioning dinosaurs off on the black market. Yeah, and they're auctioning for like $8 million. That's BS. Yeah, It'd be like $800 it, Exactly. It's <laughs> insane. And like, there's a bad guy in there who you can clearly tell is from Russia because when he bids on one of these dinosaurs, he says... 10 millions, not 10 million, <laughs> 10 millions. And it's like, oh, you know, he's a bad guy because only he would say it wrong. Like the movie starts out and they're on an island. Then all of a sudden there's a volcano that erupts. And then we go to this black market dinosaur factory type story and there's clones. And it's absolutely absurd. My wife and I just watched Dominion and I props will. to them for bringing back Laura Dern and Sam Neill. Laura Dern and Sam Neill were fantastic. I will fully go on board saying that they were great in this movie. Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard. I love Bryce Dallas Howard. She does not belong in this movie. Chris Pratt, he's yeah. just too over the top for me. I can't deal with him anymore. He needs to go back to being Andy from Parks and Rec, and I'd be happy with that. The clone girls in this, they have a guy. Yeah, who you forgot like to say the dumbest part of the second one is the little girl's a clone. And yeah. because she's a clone, she lets all the dinosaurs out because they're clones to yeah, go out in the like world. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's a guy who looks like, I believe it's supposed to be Steve, not Steve Jobs, who's the white haired dude, Bill Gates. Yeah. He's supposed to be like Bill Gates or whatever, who owns his own company and he's releasing prehistoric like moths or yeah, something that are yeah. eating crops that of everybody else's crops except for his company's crops. And Jeff Goldblum's in it, in it and it's just so pointless for him, him to be in this. And like the dinosaurs are, and you could have done something great. The dinosaurs are out in the real mm-hmm. world. Like, let's see how this all works. Chris Pratt can still get blue who is a velociraptor to not attack him by sticking his hand up i told my wife when we were watching i hate that they are treating dinosaurs like dogs they are not dogs they are vicious murderous creatures (laughs) that will not even think for a second to eat whatever they want to eat so it's just these movies are real bad like this isn't me going on a star wars rant like Mm -hmm. you these are again about the prequels these are objectively bad movies like they they had no business being made they're not good they're boring, they're overlong, they're overstuffed, they're, they're, they're bad movies. Yeah. Well, so here, let's talk about bad movies, okay? <laughs> this, I believe, is the worst film I've ever seen. And okay. I was even buying the Rise of Skywalker BS, okay, through most of the movie. I think where I just finally lost it was when he, Kylo Ren's about to die or Ben Solo or whatever. But And then he and Ray <laughs> kiss, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. God. So... But this movie, this movie took maybe 10 minutes for me to be like, wow, this is terrible. And that's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Now, before I go on, everybody's going to say, yeah, it's stupid because it's sci-fi and that's not Indiana Jones. I don't care about that. I actually have no problem with that. The idea of the Indiana Jones movies is supposed to ape the period that they're in. So he was in the 40s. is very religious type of weird artifact stuff. In the 50s, it was sci-fi. I have no issue with that whatsoever. What I have an issue with is the movie sucks. And it sucks on about a billion different levels. And literally, I think like 10 minutes into the movie, Harrison Ford, who just doesn't look like he wants to be there, is at a testing site for an atomic Mm -hmm. bomb, jumps in a refrigerator. The refrigerator blows up. He, you know, or the refrigerator blows off the screen. It lands. Mm-hmm. He gets out of it unharmed, looking yep. at a mushroom cloud while his teeth and hair do not fall out. 
And, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's not just Harrison Ford. I mean, Kate Blanchett's in this movie, okay? She's too good of an actor to be in this oh, movie. God. And part of me wants to think, because she's doing some Boris Badenov Russian accent or something, <laughs> that she's actually having fun, but I feel like she's being abused. I think Spielberg right, yeah. was like, had a, had her cat hostage or something. Did some Hitchcockian <laughs> yeah. type stuff to her while he filmed this movie. And uh, Shia LaBeouf. Now, I know... Oh, man. I know everybody tried to make him a thing before he became a... Before I, we all I knew how terrible he was. And he's horrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, Rise of Skywalker doesn't make me mad. It makes me disappointed. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull makes me mad. And look, <laughs> Temple of Doom. like a parent when yeah. you said that. Temple <laughs> of Doom, that movie's racist as all get out, but it's still uh, enjoyable. It's still sure. entertaining. But God, yeah. Anyways. That's, to, that's your bad news bears for me. No, King, like you said, I remember going to see this movie because, again, Indiana Jones is something you loved when we were yeah. kids. And I'm like, oh, this would be cool. I haven't seen an Indiana Jones movie in the theater. You mentioned it. When he gets in that refrigerator and the, the atomic bomb goes off, I was there with my wife and some friends. We all kind of looked at each other like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so that movie is so, 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 so bad. You're right. Like, I, I like to – I've always pictured that Kate Blanchett was just – screw it, I'm getting paid, I'm going to have fun. But maybe she was. Maybe like something was happening behind the scenes. Yeah, I think that was the point where I kind of turned on Shia LaBeouf, and it's just, it's not, it's not a good movie at all. No. So I want to talk about Dr. Sleep, which is a movie I've never seen. It's a book I've yeah. never read. And again, you want to talk about just pointless. And I know a lot of people have, there's a lot of people that like the movie but don't like the book. You obviously, I don't think you've ever read the book, but you've seen nope. the movie. I yeah. I just have no interest in what Danny Torrance from The Shining's doing forty years later <laughs> exactly. or whatever. Yeah. But what why why did you put this on your list? This was more of like it's not a bad movie. It's a boring movie. It's a pointless movie. You're right. Like how who out there was clamoring to know what the little boy from The Shining was doing? I consider The Shining the scariest movie I've ever seen. That's a movie that I've visited once. I never ever ever want to revisit again. My wife loves horror movies. And during one of our date nights, she's like, oh, Dr. Sleep. This is like a sequel to The Shining. Let's watch it. So I got myself prepared to be really, really scared watching this movie. There's nothing scary about it. It's just kind of boring. You come to find out that Danny like can't keep a relationship and he's an alcoholic and he spends all his money and then he meets a guy and he gets clean. But then he starts having these visions and there's a little girl who has The Shining and you find out there's people all over the world who have The Shining and they can all see stuff. And it's just... I wasn't scared by it. I was just kind of watching it like, okay, it's fine, but there's really no reason why they had to make a sequel to The Shining. And even, spoiler alert, at the end of it, they go back to the hotel and you're like, cool, we're going to see some cool stuff. And you get one scene where they have a superimposed Jack Nicholson tending bar instead of the guy he sees in the bar there tending bar. But even that was just kind of like, oh, okay, uh, that's neat that he got to talk to his dad one more time. But it was unnecessary. Not that it's a bad movie. And I... I even hesitated putting it on here because I'm like, is it really bad or did I just not like it? It's just it it did not need to be made. And I think it's great that Ewan McGregor wanted to do this. And the main villain is the mom from Dune. And she does a fine job. But like they're like soul suckers who eat souls out of little kids or whatever so they can stay young, which I also found kind of, you know, being a father now, it's like I don't like to see little kids getting mm -hmm. abused on film or whatnot. But it just Dr. Sleep just kind of did it didn't. I don't know who was asking for this movie to be made. Well, speaking of a movie that should have never been made, and 
I will say a couple of years back, I was like, I don't know, maybe LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. But this movie definitively put Jordan in front of LeBron in my eyes. So a movie I will not watch. Okay? Oh, okay. Just, Your son must not be as into basketball no, as my son no. is. So Space Jam, whatever, new group, a new legacy. A new legacy. <laughs> yeah, please. All right. I unabashedly love the original Space Jam. I know it's not a good movie, but yeah. I love seeing Michael Jordan play basketball with Bugs Bunny and all the and all these other characters that I like in there. I like that Newman was in the movie and Bill Murray shows up and you got to see Muggsy Bogues and Larry Johnson and Patrick Ewing and all those guys. Like that was great. I had high hopes for New Legacy. After seeing LeBron in Trainwreck, I'm like, oh okay, he's got a really nice screen presence. Like maybe he can carry a movie. He can't. I mean, Michael Jordan was like a card was like cardboard, but LeBron was even worse. And like you could tell jokes weren't landing and he was just the studio obviously gave him no notes because he's LeBron James. Why would he get any notes? But he's like mean to his kids in the movie, which doesn't make any sense. And his kid doesn't want to play basketball. He wants to go to video game making camp and LeBron's not going to have any part of that. His wife is all like barely involved in the movie at all. And instead of playing the quote unquote monsters you had basketball players like clay thompson was this guy called wet fire in the movie where he's like made out of water and fire which that's mm-hmm. counteracts mm-hmm. each other like that doesn't work and damian lillard is like this golden clock but it's not the monsters didn't take the powers from the nba players like they did in the original these are just video game characters that they created and then everybody gets trapped in this world they have to all watch them play basketball but it's a weird crew of people that you see, like the the dudes from Clockwork Orange are in the crowd. <laughs> um, Pennywise is yeah. in the crowd. And you're like, why are these people watching a basketball game? What's going on? And it's just not fun. Like, I remember we were watching it. I told my son, come on, you can watch this movie with us. We want you to watch this. And he's just in awe the whole time loving it. My wife and I keep whispering to each other how bad this <laughs> movie is. It is. It is really really bad i think of any movie we talked about today and you'll probably disagree but i think this is by far the worst one this is worse i would rather watch the jurassic worlds than i watch space jam a new legacy it's it's a really 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 bad movie well it's it goes back to it's trying to tap into this nostalgia like i said there is a moment in top gun maverick where you sit there and you realize the last two hours you watched is so it makes you feel like you're watching top gun for about 10 seconds and it okay. works. It works perfectly. It's so earned. Prey, you know, the fights in Prey and all that stuff. Bill and Ted, Creed, The Second Coming to America, all this stuff. They're all built on this nostalgia machine, but they're giving you that. From my understanding, this Space Jam movie is just not. It's, it's, it, it, I've heard people say it's making me dislike the original one. That's how <laughs> bad it is. It's ruining your nostalgia. It's just, it's not good. And like, I can look back at the original one and it was just made for fun for the hell of it. Let's see what Michael Jordan can do. It was made so Michael Jordan can watch every, before he came back to the NBA. So he could watch the last dance. He's watching them all practice with him so he knows how to beat them. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I don't, and like the fact that LeBron's mean is so out of character for him Mm. too. He's not a mean dude at all. So before we leave, I did want to make special mention of the Disney Plus Star Wars shows because you want to talk about legacy type things. And The Mandalorian, except for bringing in Luke to kind of let him be a badass Jedi, it's kind of its own thing. Oh, yeah. It's kind of its (laughs) own thing, though. But like Book of Boba Fett, 
my problem with the book of Boba Fett is, look, there were great. There was the last episode has Boba Fett riding a rancor monster. You know, yes, yeah, it cats. only gets good when the Mandalorian. Yes, comes. right. It's it's just Mandalorian two point five. Yeah. But I did want to make special mention of um, Obi Wan Kenobi because I, didn't watch, I watched one episode of that and was pretty bored by it. It's a slow burn, I will say that. But mm. being somebody who's been around Star Wars all this time and then all the stuff with the with the uh, prequels and everything, if I think about it as a story of Obi-Wan finally realizing Anakin's gone, it works well. Now, having after watched the whole thing, because there is a fight in the last episode, spoiler alert, people, where Darth Vader seemingly destroys Obi-Wan, but you know he's not dead. And he comes back and he beats the living hell out of him. And really? it's, I mean, Obi-Wan just, I mean, could have just killed him. And you see that helmet is shattered and you see Hayden Christensen behind like half of him there. And the, the voice is really well done because it's half Darth Vader, half Anakin. And Obi-Wan's like, I'm sorry this happened, Anakin. I'm sorry. I, I'm so sorry. And he looks at him and he says, you did not kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. And it's a powerful moment in that sure. thing. So I got to give that credit because it redeems. It gives Hayden Christian a chance to, to you know, <laughs> close the book on that character. So, yeah. And then we talked off Mike, but I said, where's well, our... Before, uh, before we move away from Star Wars, I do want to mention Rogue One also. Because oh, that yeah, is my yeah. personal favorite Star I don't know if that it's a great movie. a legacy sequel because I don't know that it tells oh. the story of the original Star Wars. But I do want to mention that because... Personally, that's my favorite Star Wars. Yeah, movie. I think Andor is starting <laughs> this weekend or next weekend. Okay, yeah. well, and you speak of uh, great fight scenes. That oh, yeah. Vader fight scene. In oh, yeah, one is it's incredible. the best ever. It's the best they've ever done with a with a lightsaber. No, so the Simpsons. Yeah, where's our legacy sequel on that? I love the Simpsons movie. I think what they did with it is perfect. It is essentially in this in, in, an extended episode that you know they do over 90 minutes and what they did was perfect i don't want them to make another one all right that's my per- i'm a everybody knows i'm a humongous simpsons fan it's my favorite show of all time it might be my favorite entertainment thing of all time they did a movie they did it right they got most of the original people to come back and do it i don't think they'll get that again i am also fearful of fanboys being like it hasn't been good since season seven why would you make another movie i don't want the people who are working on that show now have to deal with that. What they did, however many years ago the Simpsons movie came out, was perfect. Don't do anything else. So, Ty, I said I was going to end with the with the OG, the greatest legacy sequel ever. So, around 1600 of the Common Era, Jesus. William Shakespeare <laughs> wrote a play called Hamlet. Okay, yeah, I know of Hamlet. <laughs> Roughly fo- over 450 years later, the, a little play premiered somewhere, I think it says here, it was at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe in 1966, a play by Tom Stoppard, who is an uncredited writer on some of the Star Wars, I think, prequels. Okay. play is called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead. And uh-huh. it's basically Hamlet seen from the two most pointless characters. So that tie is the, is the OG of legacy sequels. Well, couldn't we just say... Um if uh, legacy sequels, if you want to do Rosen, Krantz, and Guildenstern are dead, couldn't we do um, what's the Canadian guys who have the beer place? Strange Brew. Strange Brew. Well, Wouldn't that's a that retelling. That, we'll have to uh-huh. save that for retelling <laughs> podcasts that uh, are better retellings because Strange Brew is the definitive Hamlet. Yeah, and it's crazy too because you mentioned Rosen, Rosenstein and Guildenkrantz. Is that how you say it? I don't know how to say Rosen, it. Rosenkrantz and Guildenstern. Rosenkrantz and Guildenstern. I've heard that. 
like four different times this week on four different podcasts, mm-hmm. and now we're mentioning ours, so it must be something in the air right that now. must be greatest great the og of the legacy sequels you so. know what though i will say i appreciate that somebody made a play about two pointless people in hamlet yeah i would i would watch that it's actually a pretty I good would. play it's it's a i i will say it is a good play so i like that whole idea of just like two random townspeople watching hamlet yeah. or something so, Ty, if, uh, if people need to cast you in their upcoming production of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, where are they going to find you? Yeah, I can play two, two. I can play one of maybe an even less important person than those two people. <laughs> no, you can uh, find me on Instagram or Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-O-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, come check out my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You mentioned Prey. I wrote a review of Prey after I watched it. There's all types of sports, pop culture stuff on there. You can check that out. You can hear me on a couple episodes of Chucklehead Chat, hosted by my buddy Glenn Adams, wherever you get your podcasts from. But most important of all, you can hear me on this, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us, check out the Patreon that we will definitely get going soon. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, repeat all that, uh, seedsing.com, the Ex-Millennial Man, and... Because I had to cram so much in, I'm going to not deal with all my little BS other than to say that early voting is going to be starting in some places soon. So get registered. With all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we are here every Saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcast shows. And Ty, uh, you go out there and watch Top Gun Maverick and you'll thank me later. And you do not go watch Space Jam. <laughs> see and I'll thank you right now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Talk to you next time. Take it easy. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.